Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back to the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode, I'm going to bring on Fox Sports producer Conrad Company to help me guide a conversation. We're going to talk mid-season college basketball. I'm going to give some Final Four picks, mid-season All-Americans. We'll look back at who the preseason All-Americans were and compare. Uh, we'll talk about who can knock off Duke. Uh, We'll go in depth about R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson. Plus, we'll talk about an improved Kentucky squad. Before I get to that conversation with Conrad, I want to make sure that you are supporting and subscribe to the Sidelines Podcast. The best way to do that is to go over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Those things are very helpful. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. Would love to know what you think about the podcast. Without further ado, let's jump to that conversation with Conrad Company. It's time to go man-to-man with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now let's bring in Fox Sports colleague and producer and friend Conrad Company to the sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. And I had Conrad on uh, just before the start of the season to uh, to really break down uh, the college basketball season and, and go through some preseason picks. Well, I wanted to bring him back uh, now that we're at the midway point, college football's ending, uh, NFL is, is heading into the playoffs, and uh, I think there's going to be a focus more on college basketball from people around the country. So I wanted to bring in Conrad to, to kind of help guide this conversation. Uh, Conrad, what's up, man? Hey man, how's it going? Happy New Year! How are you? I am doing great. Had a uh, a, a great uh, New Year's Eve. A, a pretty busy December with a lot of traveling. Uh, what about you? Ah uh, man, I had another great New Year's in LA as well. It's a uh, it's a quite magical place out here. But more importantly, college <laughs> basketball actually is starting to become relevant again. Uh, not that it's not in the first half of the year, but this is usually when people start tuning in, like you alluded to earlier. We're going to start right off with it with what people want to hear about. Your preseason All-American list was Carson Edwards, Luke May, Caleb Martin, Diedrich Lawson, and R.J. Barrett. How are you feeling at the midway point about that list? You know, I feel pretty good about it. There's really only two guys that would have changed. And I spent a little time coming up with what my midseason list would look like. Um, And keeping, you know, R.J. Barrett. Uh, Carson Edwards, I think he's done a, a, enough to, to be on this list, averaging nearly 26 points a game, 44% from the field and 40% from three. Uh, maybe means as much to his team as anybody in the country. Uh, Diedrich Lawson, I think he's been absolutely tremendous, nearly 20 points, over 10 rebounds a game. So those three um, that I had on my preseason list, I think they're on the midseason list too. Um, the difference is I, I think Marcus Howard, is a guy that needs to be considered um, a midseason All-American. 25 points a game. Twice he's gone for 45 points. 49 of 113 from three. This is a kid that just knows how to score the basketball, and he's doing it at a pretty ridiculous rate at Marquette. Six straight games over 20 points. So um, added him in the list. And then uh, I think you have to go with Zion Williamson. Uh, he's really been the, the talk of college basketball. He's having a tremendous freshman campaign uh, for, for Duke. Nearly 20 points a game, 9.4 rebounds a game. Everybody sees the dunks and the highlight reels, but um, this kid has been impressive across the board. Uh, if I would extend this list to six or had a, a six-man 
probably go with Gonzaga's Rui Hashimura. I think he's been um, a major bright spot for Gonzaga, having a tremendous season. So um, I, I think I did pretty good in the preseason, but uh, I, I think Marcus Howard and, and Zion Williamson have to be on this list. No, absolutely. Marcus Howard, I, if people out there have not watched this kid play basketball yet, I know I don't know how you feel about him, but when I watch him, I kind of watch a little bit of like Trey Young. Just how he puts the ball up, how he moves around. He's a smaller guard, but man. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to uh, R.J. Zion debate. People all along have said R.J. Barrett's going to be the number one pick, but now that they've seen Zion in college, a lot of people are coming out thinking he might be the number one pick. Where are you on this? Well, right now I, I still have R.J. Barrett number one on my big board, but I, I do think the gap has closed significantly. Uh, Zion has been uh, better than I could have imagined he would be as a freshman in, in college basketball. Um, I wasn't quite sure how everything would translate to the college level because he, you know, in, in high school, um, there was some bully ball. He wasn't always in great shape. He didn't shoot the ball well. Uh, but I think I was focused more on what he couldn't do rather than what he can. And uh, he, he's just, uh, you know, he's a once-in-a-generation type athlete. And, you know, vertically, he's ridiculous. He has the Duke record uh, for max vertical. Um, but he's so strong. Uh, he plays – he's playing harder than I ever saw him did in high school. Uh, he's doing a really good job of rebounding the basketball. Uh, if, if he gets a defender on his hip, it's a, it's a, it's a bucket. Um, now, all that said, I, I know why Zion's been great, and, and you're right, he has been the talk of college basketball. I think R.J. Barrett's been pretty darn good too. Uh, I think he is maybe the safer pick at one right now. Um, 24 points a game, 6.8 rebounds a game. 3.8 assists. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I thought he was shooting the ball uh, pretty well. His his percentage has tailed a little. Uh, I expect that to, to, to pick back up. But I, I just think the kid is so skilled. He can really score the basketball. He can do it in a variety of ways. Uh, I think he's a competitor. And Conrad, I think he's a two-way player. I think this guy really competes on defense, and uh, he's going to be able to defend his position pretty well at the NBA level. So right now I'm going R.J. Barrett, but that gap is certainly closing. And um, – you could certainly make a case that, that Zion should be number one. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember a, a time ever where there's been two freshmen on the same team to perform like this. But do you think, though, with Zion getting drafted in the top five, I mean, top three, really, do you think GMs are going to be worried about his lack of shooting, like a la Ben Simmons, how he can do a lot of things for you except score the basketball at will? Yeah, I mean, that, that's always going to be a concern, especially uh, in this day and age where shooting is so valuable and so important um you know it's really a shot maker's game you know i think that uh, guys are going to really value the, the athleticism obviously the the energy he plays with his ability to rebound his versatility you know he's a tremendous passer uh, but the shooting is a concern and it's an area that he's going to have to um, develop and and get better you know he can't shoot in the teens from three-point line he's going to have to get it better than that there's been a little progress but but not much to date uh, you would hope you know, in the off season when he can really focus and, and spend a lot of time working on his jump shot that he improves. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that's an easy call. That's, that's going to be a concern uh, when it comes draft time is, is the shooting for sure. If Ben Simmons is his comparable, then I'm sure any GM in the league will take him. But at the same time, 16% from three pointers, 70% from the line. Now going back to him and RJ as well, they're both kind of tweeners with the positions they play. Where do you see them, or what positions do you see them playing at the next level? Well, I don't think RJ's a tweener at all. I, I think he's a straight two guard in the NBA. I think he can guard that spot. 
Uh, and I think he certainly is can play it on offense with that skill set and um, you know his improving ability to to, to score the basketball in a, in a variety of ways. So I, I think he's a straight two guard. Um, Zion I think probably is going to be best used as a, as like a face up four. Um, I don't I don't necessarily love the Ben Simmons comparison, Conrad. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't really think that there is a comparison for him. I think he's that unique. I think he's unlike a player that we've seen before. And, I, you know, I've seen a lot of people try to throw um, NBA guys at him like Julius Randle. And, you know, I've heard the Ben Simmons and uh, a couple others. I, I just think he's so unique. He does this all totally different. I, I, I've never seen a player like him since I've been doing this. Um, mm-hmm. Vertically, he might be the best athlete that I've scouted. Um, he's just so freakish and explosive. Um, but he's unique. And, and honestly, you know, I, I don't want to say I missed on Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons has been a lot better than I thought he would be. And he was similar in a sense that he was so unique. He was different than uh, players we'd seen in the past. And that's exactly what Zion is. He, he's just, um, you know, I said he's, he's the, maybe the best vertical athlete that I've scouted. Well, he's probably the most unique player that I've scouted too. And sometimes those are the ones that are uh, hardest to evaluate. But obviously what he's doing in college is, is ridiculous. And, you know, he's going to be a very good NBA player. Uh, I, think, uh, I, I think with what he's shown in college um, that, you know, some of the stuff he's doing is going to be able to translate for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Whoever gets either one of these kids is going to be happy with them. I know that for sure. But people will come out to watch Zion off-rip, whether he's on a good team or a bad team. They'll be in the seats to watch him play. Uh, sticking with this Duke team, though, they're the number one team in the country. There's so many good teams behind them. Can anyone beat Duke come March, or can anyone top them in the ACC, let alone? Yeah, I mean, somebody can beat them. You know, I think Virginia um, is a team that's sitting at 12-0. and 0. Uh, They're known – for their defense. I think their style could really muck things up um, w- w- with Duke. This is a team that uh, they beat Wisconsin. They beat uh, Maryland. They beat VCU. Uh, but they, they're, this is always a, a very good defensive team. Right now they're number five in adjusted efficiency and defense, but they're number eight in offense. They've got some playmakers on that end. They've got a guy in, in Ty Jerome that, that is skilled and can really shoot. Uh, they've got a potential lottery pick in DeAndre Hunter. Uh, Kyle Guy is shooting a ridiculous 46% from three on the season. So th- they've got some some players, and I, I think Virginia could could certainly um, beat them. I think North Carolina could steal a game from in the ACC. You know, I, I'm picking Duke to, to win the league, uh, but those schools could certainly beat them. In terms of you know the national race, um, Duke is still my pick to win it all, but I think it's pretty clear that there are uh, a number of teams that could really – uh, give them a, a run, whether that's Gonzaga, who's already beat them, whether it's um, Michigan, who's 13-0, and and, and you know they've got a guy in Iggy Brasdikis that can really score. The team is defending at a ridiculous rate. Um, there's, there's a number of teams that can knock them off. I don't think it's as, as clear-cut as maybe people made it out to be when they, when they had that great start to the season. Okay. I mean, that, that makes sense. And Going right back into the whole Final Four discussion, your preseason Final Four picks were Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, and Gonzaga. You willing to stay put on that, or has anyone moved up that spot into the Final Four for you? Yeah, you know what? I, I, when I was doing a, doing a little digging today and, and kind of trying to come up with who my current Final Four picks are, um, I didn't go back and even look because I, I didn't quite remember all four of who I had in the preseason. Um, I knew I had Duke, and, and I think that they're still – 
a Final Four team. I think they're the best team in the country. But the other the other teams uh, that that I have are, are Gonzaga, Michigan, who I just mentioned, thirteen to zero wins over North Carolina, Purdue, Villanova. Um, they just bring so much to the table. I think that uh, the way Iggy's playing that offense, uh, three of their top four scores are shooting it better than forty three percent from three. They have. Uh, shooting and and then the defense that I mentioned, they're number four in adjusted efficiency defense. So Michigan is a team that I would throw in that conversation, but they're actually the only new team to my uh, Final Four. I, I think that Kentucky is still a Final Four caliber team. There was um, a lot of talk a couple weeks ago about kind of what's wrong with Kentucky, uh, but they have stormed back. They're ten and two. They beat a top ten team in North Carolina. They just beat their rival in Louisville. Um, so those are the four for me right now. Kentucky. Michigan, Duke, and Gonzaga. Staying on Kentucky real quick, if we're just talking about it, they're so young, but they have so much talent. I know as Kentucky fans out there, they, they need the instant gratification of how teams should be for Kentucky, how they want established good teams with, with Calipari. If Calipari can get these guys to the lead eight or the final four, is this the, one of the best coaching jobs that he's done in his career? Uh, honestly, Conrad, no, it's not, because this is who we thought they would be at the beginning of the year. You know, everybody picked them as the – they were – remember, they were coming into the season the, the preseason number one uh, until they got just demolished by, by Duke. Um, that said, I understand kind of where you're going with that. Like, obviously, um, you know, three weeks ago, they were sitting at, uh, I think, seven and two. Uh, they had just lost to, to Seton Hall. And there was just a lot of question marks about that team. Um, I think they – part of it, too, was, you know, the fan base was upset. They get beat – um, by Duke by a thousand points, um, they lose out on James Wiseman to Memphis, a guy they thought they were getting. Uh, there was just they lose to Seton Hall in an overtime game. There was just some things not going their way, uh, and I had a lot of people ask me, "Well, what's wrong with Kentucky?" Well, the the answer was they're young. You got to give the, that team time. Uh, they they bounce back. They beat North Carolina. They beat Louisville. Um, I think there was maybe some addition by subtraction when they lost Quade Green to a transfer because they were really lacking identity at the point guard spot you know they had three they're playing quad a ashton hagens uh and emmanuel quickly at the point guard spot with quad a gone i think that there's a kind of a longer leash for those other two and ash it's it's mm-hmm. really allowed ashton hagens to excel especially on the defensive end he's really had a come out party uh, one of the most competitive players by the way conrad i've ever covered i'd put him right up there with michael kidd gilchrist and josh jackson from that regard um, but they still have side length and athleticism. And the questions about what's wrong with Kentucky, well, look, you've got to be patient. I think it's a reminder for everyone. It is that you have to be patient with teams as young as this Kentucky group. You know, I think they were getting compared to that Duke group that came together so quickly. That's so rare, dude. Like, that, that doesn't happen. That's a unique situation. Uh, that Kentucky team, you've got to be a little more uh, patient with. And I, I think that they're a long-term uh, projection on this season. A lot of it's going to depend on their shooting. Will Tyler Hero shoot it like he did against Louisville, where he's four of six from three and went off for 20-plus points? And then Keldon Johnson, over the last couple games, has been shooting at a ridiculous rate, which he wasn't doing early in the season. So I, I think that that, uh, that you just got to be patient with a team that, that is that young. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, I guess what I was saying was that it seems like every year Kentucky has one or two kids that are a lottery pick. This year, I don't get that sense. I mean, Keldon Johnson is their number one uh, NBA draft prospect as of right now from the sites that I've looked at, and he's not even listed in the top ten. So that's why I guess when I was curious about Coach Cal with this team, because usually when he takes the team to the national championship or the uh, Final Four, he has those guys like Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, 
Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. I, under, I understand what you're saying, and you're right. Uh, Keldon Johnson is probably working his way up into being a top 10 draft pick. Uh, that said, uh, outside of him, I don't know if there's anybody else in that roster, at least right now, that you're looking at and saying, oh, he's going to be a great player in the NBA. But they do have seven McDonald's All-Americans. So this team is is still loaded with talent. Another guy, Ashton Hagens, who would have been a McDonald's All-American if he hadn't graduated early. So there's there's plenty of talent. And I, I think when we heading into the season, they had all that talent, but then they also had the experience of a Reed Travis. They had a PJ Washington that came back. I think the expectations were extremely high. Now, is it if if he makes a if John Calipari makes a Final Four this year, is it a heck of a coaching job? Yes. Is it his best? I don't think so, but. A very good job, obviously. Okay, so Kentucky is staying in your Final Four. Now, one team I didn't hear in that Final Four, and they're still undefeated at this point, was your preseason sleeper in Nevada. If they go undefeated, are they going to get a one seed, and can they compete with these top teams? I think they probably would get a a one seed. Um, I do think that they're going to go undefeated. Uh, They have a win over uh, Arizona State. They've got a win, double-digit win over USC. Um, the best team left on their schedule is Utah State. That's who they're going to play next. They're going to play them twice. Um, I think the odds are that they're able to, to run the table. Now, it, it's pretty rare for a team to, to do that. Um, but I, I think that they had enough firepower on the offensive end. And the truth is, is Caleb Martin's their best player. And he really hasn't played as efficient as he did last year. Uh, especially from a shooting standpoint. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they're going to run through the Mountain West. I I can very well see them and think that they're going to go undefeated. And, and yeah, I think they'd be staring at a one seed. Yeah, this Nevada team honestly kind of reminds me of that uh, 03-04 Stanford Cardinals team that had Josh Childress. They had one loss go into the tournament, but they had a lot of talent. They were a lot of fun to watch, but they fell short when it came to the tournament time. So you don't you think Nevada can can keep with the big dogs and make it far in this tournament? Yeah, I mean, I I think even heading into the season, they were uh, kind of a sexy pick for uh, Final Four in the preseason. Uh, I think they're battle tested. This is a a team where um, most of this core was part of their Sweet Sixteen run last year. Uh, Musselman is obviously. Uh, a very good coach. He's done a good job of building this roster. Um, and the Martin twins, they can both score the basketball. Uh, Jordan Caroline, you know, those three guys were, were really the core of last year's run. They've been there. Uh, and I think that they've proven they can compete with anybody in the country. Uh, I, I do think that, that uh, if you had a question mark, it's maybe their lack of depth. Um, Musselman certainly rides those top five, six guys pretty hard, but it's a really good basketball team, and I think I could see them making a, a really deep run uh, in March. I know I would love to see it. There's always a place for a good Cinderella story, that's for sure. Uh, now moving on to a team that's not going to be in the Final Four, UCLA Bruins just got done firing Steve Alford. Now, I know you're pretty intertwined with this whole situation. Is there any names that you're hearing out there, and what happened with that whole situation? Well, you know, I, I think at this point, you know, UCLA was sitting at seven and six. They had five double-digit losses, including a blowout to Cincinnati, a double-digit loss to Liberty. Uh, I, I think Steve had kind of just lost this group. Uh, it's obviously a, a, a team with some talent, um, but I think the truth is, is he lost his fan base uh, a couple of years ago and was really hard for him to get it back. At this point, everyone saw this coming. I don't think that necessarily saw it coming mid-season, but I, I think. Um, you know, after that li- loss to Liberty, it was pretty uh, set in stone that by the end of the year, Steve Alford would probably be let go. Uh, I'm not a big believer in in firing midseason. I I think uh, 
I don't see much of an advantage in that. Um, I think the only reason to do that is to um, get a head start on someone else in terms of who you want to hire. But um, in terms of candidates, I, I think that the name that everyone's talking about is Fred Hoiberg, um, no longer with the Bulls, former Iowa State head coach. Um, and I think the interesting thing, Conrad, about Fred Hoiberg is he really did it at Iowa State uh, with transfers. So if UCLA is going to go all in and after Fred Hoiberg, uh, they're really going to have to ease up on their transfer policy. Because this is a school that um, it's not easy to get into. And they, the last staff had some issues with getting transfers and um, other players in. So I, I think if Fred Hoiberg is going to be uh, an option, and Eric Musselman's name has been tossed around some too, I would say the same thing for him. They're going to have to ease up uh, on letting some of those players in. Now, the other names I, I, I've heard is Mike Bray from Notre Dame. Uh, Earl Watson's name has been tossed around some, as has Arizona State's Bobby Hurley. Um, I actually have two kind of outside-the-box um, surprise-type candidates, Conrad, and, and I'm not saying that I, I've heard these from UCLA sources, but I think that they would be interesting names and, and guys that I could see being very successful at UCLA. And, and I would say uh, Kevin Keats, who's been uh, – He's done an extremely good job, not only at NC State, but also UNC Wilmington. It's outside the box. He, he hasn't really gone out to the West. Um, and neither has the other guy that I was going to say, and that's Providence's Ed Cooley. I think both of those guys would do a tremendous job at UCLA. And I don't think that this job has a natural fit, Conrad. I don't think there's anybody that you just point to and say, hey, they need to be the head basketball coach at UCLA. They're going to try with some big names. I'm sure they blow a call into Billy Donovan. Um, I don't see that they'll oh. get him. But I think that they would probably throw a call into him. Um, and we'll see what, see what happens. The other thing, Conrad, is this is a tough job. And I think it's a little tougher than people realize. Uh, obviously that there are extremely high expectations. You know, they let go Ben Allen uh, after he went to three Final Fours. Um, the, and the reason I say it's tough is I think it lacks resources that other blue blood type jobs have. Um, you know, they don't charter. They don't take private planes. Um, you know, their head coach isn't sitting in first class when he does go recruit. Um, so I, I think that there are some uh, resource issues that I think some of these coaches, when they go in and sit down with the AD, that they're going to bring up. I mean, when you look at UCLA from the outside, it's a beautiful campus. It's a beautiful school. They have such great traditions. But when you hear about them having limited resources, especially in this day and age, it would make me weary if I was a player or a coach wanting to go there as well. Well, it, it maybe limited is not the, the, the right word, because don't get me wrong, Conrad. This is still a tremendous job. Um, the tradition, um, the recruiting base, like you, don't, you, you can win at, at UCLA recruiting L.A. Uh, it, that mm -hmm. should be your primary focus, and you can do that. Um, but there are some you know, other factors in there. You know, it, there are middle-of-the-road or – um, back end of the road schools in the Big Ten, in the Big East, uh, in the SEC, uh, where their head coach flies exclusively private recruiting. That doesn't happen at UCLA. In fact, it really doesn't happen at a lot of the schools in, in the Pac-12. But just, just for an example, um, the, the resources don't necessarily match uh, what the job is. Because, you know, I think when you think of UCLA, you think of it as an elite job. And it is. But there's just more to the story. Now, to stick with recruiting, you wrote a story earlier this week that garnered a lot of attention. 
What are the changes to the revamped recruiting schedule, and why do you think it's a bad idea for everyone involved? Yeah, so when uh, the NCAA put together this commission on college basketball after the FBI investigation, this is a group led by Condoleezza Rice, uh, they proposed a number of changes. And I think some of them that they come up, with, they came up with, like players being allowed to return to school uh, if they don't get drafted, the early official visits. I, I, I like those changes. I'm good with those. The revamped recruiting schedule uh, really is mind-boggling. And you know, I, I think that, and what they said was they're trying to uh, take away outside influences. The, well, the new schedule, Conrad. Right now, we have. Uh, one April evaluation period uh, where, where teams will be able to play in AAU events. Um, they opened up uh, MBPA Top 100 Camp, which is, is the top 100 players in the country, Conrad, um, invited by the MBPA, and, and they play for a couple days. So college coaches will now be able to go to that. But here's where they really made some changes, and it's in July. Um, last year, there were three July evaluation periods, um, four-and-a-half-day periods, uh, consisted of AAU tournaments and, and stuff like that. This year, there's only going to be one. It's going to be the first uh, live period weekend of July, and it, it's going to consist of Nike Peach Jam and um, Adidas' big AAU tournament and Under Armour's big AAU tournament. So they're keeping one AAU period weekend. They got rid of the other two. And they added two weekends in June where kids can play with their high school team. And they added a weekend or a week in July where kids are going to play in regional camps. Uh, To be blunt, I think those are terrible ideas. One, when it comes to camp, they're the worst evaluation setting in high school basketball. Outside of uh, USA basketball camp, which I think is a great setting, um, camps are very difficult to evaluate players. And the NCAA's grand idea is to have four sites with two camps at each site of 300 players each. So 2,400 players. Uh, most of these guys never played, I'm sure, never played with each other uh, before, lack familiarity. Uh, and college coaches are going to have to go into these environments and try to evaluate kids. I think it's an awful idea. And every college coach I've talked to has said it's an awful idea. Um, I actually talked to 25, more than 25 college coaches, and uh, nobody was for this. The high school weekends is kind of mind-boggling because, one, the high school coaches didn't want this. Um, Two, schools like IMG Academy, uh, Oak Hill Academy, uh, Paul VI, um, these are schools with a number of – all three of those have eight or more Division I players on their teams. They're not even going to be allowed to participate. Paul the Six because of the National Federation, IMG and Oak Hill because they don't have their teams assembled in the summer. Their kids go home for the summer. Uh, so there's just so many holes with this new revamped uh, recruiting schedule. And you can check out my story over on 24-7 Sports where I went into it in a little more detailed and, and had some comments and stuff from high school coaches. But the, uh, the reaction across the board uh, has been pretty negative about the revamped recruiting schedule. And I think uh, hopefully it's something the NCAA looks at because um, the way things were set up were, before were pretty good. I'm not saying that um, there shouldn't or couldn't be some changes. And I'm, I'm good with changes, but it needs to be changed for the betterment, not changed for the sake of change. And and I, I think that's kind of what these changes were. Sounds like for all parties involved, this isn't going to be a win situation. So I wonder why the NCAA went through with this. But I guess and when it comes to the NCAA, there's always questions of what they're doing and why they're doing it. I guess we just have to get used to that, right? 
You know, I think part of it too is the the uh, the commission. You know, Condoleezza Rice. I, I I could be wrong, but I go to a lot of AU and high school events. I've never seen her at one. I don't know that she has that much of a feel on the uh, the the recruiting schedule or or uh, a knowledge base of AAU basketball. You know, I I just think it's unfortunate because I I don't think that that this camp idea is a great one. I think 2,400 kids, camps of 300 each. I mean, it's just really going to be hard for college coaches to sift through. Um, And then the high school weekends with a lot of kids not even being able to participate, it it just doesn't add up, and uh, hopefully that they'll revisit this. I'm sure that she's probably too busy interviewing for the Browns head coach position a couple weeks ago. (laughs) That's probably This probably got swept under the rug a little bit. That's probably why there's the issues. But uh, if everyone out there wasn't caught up on college basketball at this point, now they are. As always, Evan, I appreciate it. And hopefully we'll have to get back and we'll have to go through uh, your preseason, midseason picks at the end of the year and see how it all turned out. For sure, man. I appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Uh, had fun. So uh, thanks, Conrad, for, uh, for jumping on. This is De'Aaron Fox. Fox, who has his first 30-point game at Kentucky, has two more for 32 on the night. Well, they said he was like John Wall. And you're listening to the sideline with Evan Daniels. Before I let you guys go, I want to make sure that you are subscribed to the Sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. The best way to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Uh, let me know what you think about the podcast. You can all shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. As always, thanks for listening and have a great week.